say this. I expect a supernatural manifestation of God's power in my life today. You say, why do you always have us say that? Because if you don't come to church expecting something, you know what you go home with? Zippo. We need to come expecting every time we come together because he's here. And when he's here, all things are possible. I want to ask you a question. How hungry are you? How hungry are you? Because Matthew 5, 6 says, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Now, it does not make a promise to the casual nibblers or to the somewhat interested, but he says if you're hungering and you're thirsting after righteousness, you shall be filled. Tell the Lord, lift your hands and say, Lord, I'm hungry. Lord, I'm hungry. I'm hungry. You see, being hungry can make you quite uncomfortable at times. A hungry person has one thing on their mind, getting full. It might be chocolate chip cookies at midnight. It might be success on your job. It might be hunger to win the next football game. Uh Hunger comes in all kinds of forms and for many different things. Hunger is a motivating force that demands satisfaction. It's a mobilizing force that will thrust you into action when nothing else will. You know, you might be watching television. You're laying on the couch. Oh, my. You're too exhausted to get up and do anything. You just have no strength left. You're just laying there watching the television. And then all of a sudden, a commercial comes on for your favorite pizza. And somehow, you are suddenly energized. And you make the commitment, before my head hits the pillow tonight, that pizza will pass through these lips. (laughs) You got a new motivation, you know, you're hungry. Or maybe, uh, maybe, uh, Ruby Ann calls me up and says, Hey, Pastor Pam, there's 50% off of everything at Bell's Outlet for the next two hours. I guarantee you, I will jump off off that couch and we will be gone to Bell's Outlet. Energy comes forth. Hunger will cause you to search and it will cause you to reach. It will cause you to do whatever it takes to satisfy its demands. Hunger births cravings. I've always been an all-in kind of person. And I have a passion for life. But my zeal at times has surpassed my common sense. And I have been propelled on a quest for things that look good but ended up to be ultimately destructive. Cravings can be good, but cravings can also be bad. Without the help of the Holy Spirit, when hunger births cravings, those cravings can birth addictions to things that are deadly. 
But hunger, when it's focused upon a desire to know God, can lead you into miraculous, supernatural, life-changing, indescribable encounters in His presence. The only true fulfillment for hunger is knowing Him. As you read His Word, you'll see amazing miracles and glorious manifestations of his power and as you spend time seeking him and fasting and praying and worshiping him you'll begin to see that those miraculous things that you read about are meant to be a part of your life as you hunger for intimacy and fellowship with God increases you will find that every other pursuit pales in comparison to his to the pleasure of his presence. In the secret place with God, you know what you find out? Everything you'll ever need, he already is. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm writing a book called The Night the Angels Came to Church, Living in Vibrant Intimacy with God. And I've wanted to write this book for years, and the Lord has not allowed me to do so He's had, I've written two other books, but now is the time and he says, I can, I can start on this book. So that's what I'm talking to you about today. Uh, I'm going, I'm sharing things that, uh, some of these are going to be in this book. But I'm just gonna give a little bit of a testimony background. On July the 24th, 1974, my husband Walt and I were in a very desperate season of life. The previous December, 11th of 1973 our home had burned to the ground all of our possessions burned up our car was two cars were in the garage they burned up and we were left in a very very desperate situation and uh, fortunately people helped us and and we we overcame and we rebuilt our home and we refurnished it but there was just so much stress and he and I were at each other. I mean, it was like, I know none of you perfect little couples have ever been at each other, but you know when you, it's you, it's you, no, it's you, it's you. But we were at each other. And our marriage was in trouble. Big trouble. Heap big trouble. <laughs> and um, it was kind of like a, the only way I can describe it, it was kind of like a cross between Love Me Tender and War of the Roses. I don't know if any of you ever saw the movie War of the Roses or not, but if you didn't, let's say Bombs Over Tokyo then. But um, frustration had brought us to a place of desperation. And one night when he went to work, he was on the sheriff's department, when he went to work, I just... He, he was working from 11 at night till 7 in the morning. I went in and I just got the Bible out and I just started reading scriptures and just calling on God and um, I, when our home had burned down, there was a Baptist pastor that had visited us. And he had given us a Bible and some clothes and some things. And had come back several times to follow up on us, which we really weren't interested at that point in time. Matter of fact, my, my charming husband, if he saw the preacher coming up the driveway, would tell the kids, duck down below the window where he can't see us so he thinks we're not home. And uh, eventually... This loving pastor gave up on us, but God didn't. God didn't. And that night I got that Bible out, and um, the 
I got the scriptures and I started reading them and uh, I realized that I needed to surrender my life to God. My prayer wasn't fancy. It was something like this. God, my life is a mess. I've chosen to ignore you and to live my own way. I've sinned against you. But Jesus, I believe you died and shed your blood for my sins. Please forgive me. I make you my Lord now. And if you can take this mess that I have made and make something out of it, out of my life that pleases you, then I'm all yours. And he met me right there. He met me right there. And so you may be watching this program today. Maybe you need to pray a prayer like that in your own words. God, I need you today. Be the Lord of my life. Be my Savior. I've made a mess of things, but I believe you died for me. And he'll meet you right where you are. When Walt came home from work at 7 a.m., baby, I was loaded for bear. I had all these scriptures and, and things laid out on the table, and I started reading them to him. And, I mean, the conviction of God came on him. He gave his heart to Jesus. And that was the new beginning that saved our souls, saved our lives, saved our marriage. And this week, this Wednesday, March 31st, is our 50th wedding anniversary. So I'm saying that prayer worked. Hallelujah. It worked. Well, we started attending the Baptist church and we were learning solid foundations there and it was wonderful. But at the same time, God had us start listening to a man on the radio named Kenneth Copeland. Well, Kenneth Copeland was encouraging us to dig deeper into the things of God. And... um I, I was reading my Bible fervently, and I started reading scriptures about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, speaking in other tongues. I had never heard anyone speak in tongues. I had never been in a church where they spoke in tongues, but I saw it in the Word of God, and I said, I want it. And so I was listening to a preacher on the radio named Elvis, and Elvis, I could just tell by the way he was talking, that he knew about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues. So I made my phone call to Elvis, and I said, Hey, I'm hungry for this. I want this. And he asked me a few questions to kind of qualify where I was at. He said, Okay. He said, Why don't you uh, come over right now? And he said, I'll have some people from my church, and we'll pray for you. So I called Walt. I said, you got to come home right now. And he said, why? I said, because we're going to go get baptized in the Holy Ghost. He said, I don't even know what that is. I said, it didn't matter. Just come home. And I'll tell you what it is on the way over while you drive. Well, he always says, uh, I'm just driving Miss Pam. And so, uh, my, he's a sweetheart. He came home. He drove us over to Elvis's. And we got, we, we were not prepared for the band of zealous Pentecostals that descended upon us. They were the variety that it's like, breathe it in, speak it out, hold on, turn loose, shake it till you get it. It was like, 
Oh, my Lord. I mean, we're Baptist folks. I've never seen anything like that. And I really don't think all that's necessary to get somebody baptized in the Holy Ghost. But whatever the case, God honored it. We received the baptism of the Holy Ghost and a new dimension of power entered our lives like we had never known. We were bolder in our witness. We could believe for miracles. We could pray for the sick and they would recover. And we started attending Brother Copeland's meetings when he was anywhere that we could drive to. And after a few years, we knew that in our spirit that God was calling us to start a church. And while attending Brother Copeland's meeting in Indianapolis, he called us up and prophesied of us, and I mean prophesied over us. And in that prophecy, he covered everything that we had asked God for and that we were praying about. And it was just a beautiful confirmation. So we began Life Unlimited Church of Indianapolis in our garage. And from there, we rented a building. And a quick story about the building. We wanted this building. We'd seen this building. It wasn't anything fancy, but we didn't have enough room in our garage anymore. So we wanted to rent this building. Well, we called the guy. He said, it's impossible. I told him what we could afford to pay. He said that was like $150 less per month than what he was asking. He said, and that $150 back then was a lot of money. still is to me today. But anyway... (laughs) Uh, he said, no, he said, I, I can't rent it for you. Oh, I lost an earring. Um, he said, I cannot rent it to you for that price. And um, we said, okay. And he wasn't a, he wasn't a, a spirit-filled believer or anything. I guess I'll take the other one off too so I don't look like a dork. Um, but he... So we just left it go, but every time I'd drive by that building, I'd say, I call this building into our ministry in the name of Jesus. I call this building ours in the name of Jesus. Well, this man who don't know diddly squat about things of the Spirit calls us up, and he's like, i got to rent you this building. I've got to lease it to you at the price that you can pay because I had this dream and in this dream it was a vision that there was a church in there and I can't rent it to anybody else. I'm like, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So we rented that building. Well, not long after that, we went to St. Louis, Missouri to a Kenneth Copeland meeting. And once again, he called us out. And I'm, I'm just going to read what he said to us. He said... You know, every time I get in the presence of you two, your ministry keeps coming up on the inside of me. And I realize every time I get around you, I start prophesying over you. But it's come up again. You never have allowed yourselves to realize and to recognize the depth of the calling God has on your lives. For it's not a common thing. It's an uncommon thing. And the power of Almighty God is steadily growing day by day by day. And and it's not going to be very many hours from now until an explosion of that power is going to come. And you're going to walk in some things that's going to cause some fair-weather friends to turn their backs on you. And some of them will try their best to embarrass you. But don't pay any attention to it. Just keep walking straight on down the line, for they will fall to the wayside. And just keep walking before the Lord, for His hand will go before you, and His angels will clear your path as you go. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, chapter 3 of my book is entitled, What Happened Next? For 17 years... 
my husband and I had hosted summer camps for kids. We had kids from our church, inner city kids we could drag up, anybody we could round up. And we did summer camps for 17 years. And there were other Christians who helped us, and it was wonderful. And Melanie was in many of those summer camps. And uh, we, we, we would have these camps in a, in a campground down in the woods in Bloomington. They were wonderful. And there were many lives were touched and people were saved, both camp workers and kids. So just a few days after Brother Copeland had, ex- had prophesied about the explosion that was pow- of power that was coming, we were heading off to camp with about 50 kids and our counselors for a week in the beautiful woods of Bloomington, Indiana. And we had a wonderful, wonderful week. There were amazing services, lots of people saved and touched, and it was just a beautiful, beautiful week. And the week was ending up, and we had scheduled a special music guest in a, in a long, right along with our own praise and worship to come to uh, wrap things up and to have just a night of worship. And so we had a glorious night of worship. And Pastor Walt was supposed to close things out, you know. He was supposed to have some closing scriptures and comments and encouragement for the kids about what you're going to take home with you from this camp and so forth. Well, he could not get a cotton-picking thing from the Lord to say. He could not get one word to say. And time was ticking. It was time for him to walk to the pulpit, and he did not have one single thing that he was supposed to say from the Lord. And he just walked up there by faith. Well, when he did, the cloud of God's glory began to fill like a mist the whole chapel. And it got thicker and thicker and thicker and thicker. And the glory of God filled that chapel. And... Things, I I can't explain to you exactly what it's like, but when you're in the glory realm, it's a whole different different zone. Um, Miracles started happening right before our eyes. I remember just walking up to one lady who had been in an accident and she was, she was, had terrible injuries to her body and I just put one finger on her head and bones started popping and coming back in place. You could hear them, and she was instantly healed. One after another of these type of things. And we, it was like we weren't doing anything. We were in the glory realm. We were just like announcers, that's all. Wave after wave kept coming. We were, like the minute you would say something, it would happen. And like at one point we said the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Well, People started getting up out of the pews to come forward to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, but they would fall in the aisles speaking in tongues before they ever got to the front. And God was just moving mightily. At one point, Pastor Walt had a message that he wanted to say in English. It was a word to, to someone that he was ministering to. He couldn't get it out. He just couldn't get it out. In his spirit, he could hear the words in English of what he wanted to say, but he just kept speaking in tongues. And he knew what he wanted to say. He could, he was getting the interpretation at the same time he was getting the message in tongues, but he just couldn't give it. So I walked over and he said, you said word for word every single thing that I was hearing in English in my spirit. 
And so the gifts of the Spirit were moving. Well, it just kept getting stronger and stronger, and the kids were worshiping God, and they were gathering in little groups and just crying, and their hands raised. Counselors were crying, and their hands raised. And he looks up, and this this camp is about 10 miles further than the edge of nowhere, (laughs) the middle of nowhere. It's about 10 miles further than the middle of nowhere. But all of a sudden, this kind of reminds you of the chapel, doesn't it? I mean, with the, with the wood ceiling and, and all. But down the walls, he saw people lying both sides of the walls. And he like, where could they come from out here in the, in the woods? And then he looked and they were all dressed in white and they were angels. And as they, you never see an angel move. You just see them. They're here and then they're there. They're here and then they're there. I think it's because they travel faster than the speed of light or faster than our eyes can see. But anyway, they, they would move out, two or three of them around a group of kids here, and they would just hover over them. Then they'd go back to the wall, and then something would be happening over here, and some of them come from this side. And they would, and this went on. This miraculous manifestation for an hour and 45 minutes. And needless to say, we were ruined for church as usual. (laughs) That explosion of the power of God is normal. It's normal in the kingdom of God. And we settle for so much less. Mark 16, 16 through 20 says, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils, they shall speak with new tongues, they shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. So then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. And they, and that's you and I, they went everywhere preaching and the Lord working with them, confirming the word with signs following. See, we had hungered for that manifestation of God's presence and to see his glory. And he had revealed himself to us and we would never be the same. You see, it's not about a man or a woman or a preacher or a celebrity ministry. It's about people who are hungry for God, who will surrender all to him and just say, Lord, take me, use me. Uh, Jesus is the only superhero. I think God gets a little bit fed up with our celebrity ministers and our enthroned prophets and our untouchable pastors. Jesus went. The disciples went. And as they went out, God worked with them, confirming the word with signs following. You might say, how can God use me? And the devil may hurl accusatory darts at you and say, you're too old, you're too ugly, you're too fat, you're too skinny, you're too stupid, you don't have the right education. Da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And as long as you listen to that, you'll disqualify yourself. You say, shut up! In the name of Jesus, greater is he that's in me than he is in this world. It's not about me anyway. If, I mean, we gotta learn. If God doesn't show up, we don't have squat to offer people. 
God has to show up before we have anything of value to offer anyone. As human beings, we're always trying to make, find ways to make things happen ourselves. Well, you're in the glory of God. He makes things happen. You just get to be the instrument that he uses. So all illusions of our abilities must be replaced with an awareness of his omnipotence. I'm going to have to skip ahead a little bit because I am, I have so much here. But I'm going to skip ahead to chapter 5. Does God still heal? Acts 10.38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. When we were living in Indianapolis one Saturday Afternoon, We were preparing to drive to Louisville, Kentucky. Our daughter was ministering in a service down there. It was snowy and yucky and icy and icky and awful. But we were going. And my husband was going out to the shed to get a shovel, to shovel some snow from in front of the car so we could go. Well, an icy rain had fallen on top of the snow. And when he went out there, he fell. And so... I didn't know that he had fallen, but he came back in the house and he sat down on the floor and leaned back against the couch. He wouldn't even sit on the couch because he was afraid he was going to pass out. And he was holding his arm. And uh, he's like, I mean, he's Mr. Macho Man, you know. He's like, oh, just uh, give me a couple of Tylenol. I'll go ahead and go. I'm like, no, your arm's broke. And so I called the doctor, and we went to the emergency room. And sure enough, his arm was broke. It was broke in such a way... That the bone was broke, the same bone was broken in two places. It was broken off, it was broken here and here, so it was just loose, floating around in there. Um, it was very bad, and so they said that the, he would have to have surgery and have pins put in it, schedule an appointment. We went to see the surgeon on Monday. The surgeon said, yeah, definitely going to have to have surgery, but we're going to wait a week, try to get the swelling down. And nobody ever put a cast on this arm. And so, uh, they, um, scheduled the appointment for him to come back on Friday and then talk about the surgery. So, on Friday, the surgeon had an emergency and couldn't see him, so they had to reschedule him till Monday. But God had a plan. That Friday night, there was a healing service in Indianapolis and It was at a friend of ours church, and so we went to that healing service, and he was just standing there, and matter of fact, when he was trying to get ready to go, it was so pitiful because that bone was flipping around in his arm, and he was hurting so bad, but he was determined to go. And so we go to that service. Well, the man of God just walks over and just gently touches him and speaks healing over that arm. He felt that bone pick up, vibrate, sit right back down in place. We went to the surgeon the following Monday to talk about surgery. They sl- they said, you've never, the surgeon's like, you've, there's never been a cast on this arm. I said, no. He slaps the x-rays up there and says, look at this. The bone was completely back in place and new bone had grown in on both ends and reattached it right where it belonged. He said, you don't need nothing, honey. Glory. Glory. Jesus is the healer. Jesus is the healer. And these kind of miraculous and exciting things happen 
all the time. Jeremiah 32:27 says, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too difficult for me? And how you answer that question determines what you receive from God. If you think there's something too difficult for God, then you won't receive it. You won't have faith for it. But it's time to say, God, be it unto me according to your word. Hallelujah. Oh, I gotta run through here. I gotta run through your hair. Oh, I gotta tell you this story. For those of you who just came in, I'm sharing from a book that I'm presently writing about the night the angels came to church. We already, you missed that story already, but, um, then the miraculous things that happened since God has visited us with His power. Uh, I had a very powerful women's ministry in Indianapolis, and um, we would have uh, conferences every year, three-day conferences, and uh, we would rent a big ballroom in a hotel in Columbus, Indiana, and uh, lots of women came, like I think 150 women, and so um, we had such a presence and a power and a glory of God in those meetings that it would spread from out of that ballroom and it would go out into the hotel. And at one point, there was a lady who who came into the meeting. She wasn't registered. She wasn't uh, one of our well-dressed, super hot-looking women. She was dripping with wet, wet, dripping wet, had a... swimsuit cover up on and a towel wrapped around it and she came in and knelt at the altar she said God touched me out there in that pool and she said I was drawn in here I had to come in here and she committed her life to Jesus there was another precious precious lady her name was Cleta she was 77 years old and she came to all three days of the meeting now you have to understand that Cleta had had a stroke and a heart attack She could not talk at all. She could not walk without help. The only way Cleta could walk was she had a walker, and she would hold on to the walker, and then her daughter would stand behind her and hold her up because she was too weak to walk. And that's how Cleta got around. And she had spent the three days of the conference. She had eaten in the restaurants. She had People had seen the condition that she was in. And the last night of the meeting, we had just had candlelight communion. And we had given an altar call just for people who wanted to be closer to God. And so precious little Cleta had her daughter hold her up. And she slowly made her way up to the altar. She wanted to be closer to God. She was precious. And so there was a big line of people that came up. And he and I started going down the line to pray for people, lay hands on them. Well, Cleta was one of the first... We started at her end of the line, and we came to her, but he said, you stay here, we'll come back to you. And we went on down the line and prayed for everybody else. Well, right then and there, Cleta had an opportunity to say, I'm too weak, I can't stand up here, I'm going back to my seat. But she stayed, she pressed in, like that woman with the issue of blood. She pressed in, she stayed up there. And when we came back to her, after we'd prayed for everybody else, Pastor Walt looked at her and said, Jesus is healing you, start walking around this room. Well, at first, her eyes looked like 
what in this wide world of sports is wrong with you? But then she did something very amazing. She decided to mix faith with what he had said and obey it. She let go of the walker. She put her daughter's hands off of her. And she took a step. And she took another step. She took another step, another step. And then before long, she was running laps around the crystal ballroom. She was totally healed. And we tried to contact her. And we had the hardest time after she got back home. Well, first thing she did when she was still at the hotel, she went around to the restaurant. She went around to everybody, the housekeepers, everybody who had seen her said, you've seen me all through this conference in the shape I was in. Well, Jesus healed me tonight. And she hadn't been even able to talk. And so we would try to get a hold of her on the phone. We wanted to do an interview with her. And she was out running around the mall with her granddaughter and stuff like that. And she called everyone she knew and told them that Jesus had healed her. Well, most of them did not even recognize her voice because they hadn't heard her speak for three years. But it was a glorious miracle. And you know what? We've all got glorious stories that need to be told. And I thank God that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If someone prays for you, start doing something you couldn't do before. Start moving something you couldn't move before. Put some action with your faith. Because Hebrews 4 verse 2 says, For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. Every time the word of God is preached, you have a decision. Am I going to mix faith with it? Am I going to act on it? Or am I just going to hear it and just let it go right on by me? I'm telling you one thing. I'm hungry and I'm going to reach and I'm going to grab and I'm going to do whatever it takes to have what the word of God says I can have and to be who the word of God says I am. You see, miracles come with instructions. And when you obey them, you release the power of God in your life. In almost every healing service, there's people that walk away with nothing. They don't, they don't even try anymore. I've been prayed for 47 times for this, and this just must be God's will. Well, let me, let me just address that, darling heart. I read my Bible, and I read that Jesus healed them all. Multitudes! multitudes, and Jesus healed them all. Now, don't you think that in the midst of those multitudes that there was at least one scoundrel who Jesus could have said, sorry, not God's will to heal you. No, it never happened. If it was not God's will to heal, there would have been instances written in the New Testament so we would know, oh, this one can get it and this one can't. Maybe it's not God's will for you. Oh, you got it. You're going to get it. No, it's not there. It's, we need to pray in faith believing. There are instances to pray if it be thy will, but that's concerning things that you're needing leadership and guidance about. When you have the word, you have God's will. And I know you say, but what about so-and-so? Dear brother, sister, so-and-so that we believe God and they died. That's between them and God. We'll find out the answers when we get in heaven. But you know what? we got to do the works that Jesus did and even greater works and keep believing. Oh, gosh, I have so many wonderful, 
wonderful stories about angels. Oh my. Let me see. I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to pick through here. I'll, I'll jump up to our friend Bill. Bill loves to fish. And he went out ice fishing and he fell through the ice. And there was a hole in the ice. And he went down. Well, he couldn't get out. And he tried and he tried and he tried to get out. And he couldn't get out. And no one could help him because they couldn't come out on the ice. And people stood up on the shore. And and I think they called the police or something. But there was no one that could help him. And he was losing strength. You know, in that icy water, you lose strength fast. And he he was not having the strength to even try anymore. But suddenly a man came up, threw him a hose... He grabbed the hose and the man pulled him out. But the man disappeared and only the hose was there. And he said, he asked the people on shore, he said, where's the man who pulled me out? They said, there was nobody out there but you. Was that an angel? Amen. That's the question. Was that an angel? That's the title of this chapter. Was that an angel? I mean, when I get up in the morning and I look at myself with that messy hair and no makeup, I say, Oh, was that an angel? <laughs> no, it wasn't. But um, <laughs> angels are real and they do want to get involved in our lives. Um, I'm going to tell one more angel story. And this is about, uh, oh, which one do I tell? Oh, I'll tell my story. I had, as a young believer, always wanted to see an angel. And I kept bugging God, show me an angel. I want to see an angel. Let me see an angel. And um, it never happened. But then one night, whether that was a dream, whether this was a vision, I don't know what it was. All I know is I walked into the master bathroom off of our bedroom, and it was pitch black outside, but the whole bathroom was light, and the whole backyard was light. And I'm like, what's up with this? And so I look out the window, and there's an angel standing by our cottonwood trees. And it's so bright that it lights up the whole backyard and lights up the bathroom. And he was tall. He was big like the trees. And he had a gold sash. He had two more like this. And he was holding a bowl. And you know how in the Bible when it says they saw an angel and they fell down as dead? I totally understand that. I mean, when you see an angel, when you see something like that, it is so otherworldly than anything you've ever experienced that it will scare the snot out of you if you aren't careful. That's why the angelic visitations are accompanied with the words, fear not, fear not, because they are awesome. They are, they are awesome beings. And so, um, I don't know, I just, I didn't understand why that angel came. And I thought, did my fear keep him from being able to tell me something or show me something. I didn't know, but I just pondered in my heart. I would not go in that bathroom for four days. I would go down the hall to the guest bathroom because I would not go back down in that bathroom for four days. I couldn't talk about it. It was so awesome. I couldn't even tell him about it. Finally, after four days, I resumed going to the bathroom and I told him about the the story of why I hadn't been in there for four days. But it was awesome. It was awesome. And not long after that, a tornado came down our street. And in the backyard of our house were these big cottonwood trees. Well, the house next door had big cottonwood trees as well. And so uh, 
when we, we didn't know we weren't at home, but when we came home that evening, our neighbor's cottonwood trees were broke off and laying on top of their boat in the driveway. Our cottonwood trees were over our bedroom, and they were fine. And so we found out a tornado had come through the backyards. Well, our neighbors said, it's the craziest thing. We saw your trees. We watched your trees. They bent so far over your house, we can't explain it. They bent just like our trees did, only our trees broke, but it was just like something was holding yours up. We don't understand what it was. I'm like, I do. Angels, angels, angels. One more angel story, and then I'm going to be closing in just just a few minutes. Of course, that might mean nothing, but... um, One more angel story. A friend of ours, uh, Pastor W.V. Grant, he was doing a meeting in Chicago. He closed out the meeting, and he was loading up stuff to go to the next meeting place. And he had the pastor's two young sons in the back seat of his car. And um, there was a, a, a disabled man that was standing there, and he said he's a disabled veteran, and he said... Could you just give me a ride home? Well, Pastor Grant didn't feel good about it, but he's just this real kind-natured person. And so he said, okay. So the guy gets in the car. They drive up on the freeway, and they drive, and they drive, and they drive, and they drive, and they drive. And he's like, well, where do you live? He's like, we'll, we'll get there, we'll get there. They're getting into worse and worse and worse parts of town. He's Finally, he says, take this exit. So they take the exit, and they, he pulls up on a dark street, and the guy says, I'll just get out here. And he opens the door and he puts one leg out. But when he does that, out of his pocket, he pulls the gun and puts it at Pastor Grant's head and says, I'll take all your money and your jewelry. And Pastor Grant said, I don't know why in the world I did this. But I said, no, I'm not going to give it to you. <laughs> and uh, he said, the guy said, you don't understand, I'll kill you for it. He's like, well, I'm not giving it to you. So the guy put the gun up and he pew, pulled the trigger And he pulled the trigger again. But the bullets did not go into Brother Grant. And at that point, Brother Grant, because the guy's kind of off balance because he's got one leg out of the car, he steps on the accelerator pedal and the guy falls out. And so he jumps up and starts running, chasing the car. No more disabled veteran now. Uh... And he's shooting holes in the back of the car with that same gun. Nothing wrong with the gun. They went to the police station and they reported what had happened, showed them the gun holes in the car. And they said, you're just very fortunate to be alive because there are people murdered just like that in that area all the time. And so these two little boys who had sat in the back seat terrified during the whole incident, they said, Brother Grant, they said, both times when that man pulled the trigger... We saw Angel put his hand right in front of the front of the barrel of that gun. Both times. Angels. We're traveling with angels. We're protected. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Alright, one last story. And this is from chapter seven. I've done a real quick run through this this uh, book book that I'm writing, but Chapter 7 is titled, Can the Gifts of the Spirit Work in the Marketplace? In other words, can you and I, can anybody move in the gifts of the Spirit? And 
I just want to read Mark 16:20. It says, "And they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following." It's a wonderful experience to be in a powerful church service where people are being blessed. But if all you ever do is go to services and get blessed and get prophesied over and have people lay hands on you till they rub all the hair off the top of your head like they did Joe, uh, no, not really. You're missing the Great Commission. You're supposed to take what you get and take it out into the world. I haven't forgot about you guys singing. I'm just led to have you do it later. Okay. All right. Huh, does God move at Costco? Yeah, baby. We were at Costco the other day, and we, we like to get our fuel there because it's about 20 cents a gallon cheaper than it is in town. So uh, we're, we're in line waiting to get gas, and there's a guy in front of us, uh, a black man, tall black man. He's got his truck. Well, when he gets out of his truck, um, he has... Uh, I can just tell by looking at him. He's he's in pain or, or something's wrong. I felt like it was his back. And uh, when I looked at him, I heard these words. You have five letters in your name. It starts with a J, and your name is James. But someone else with five letters in their name that starts with a J named Jesus is going to heal you today. And... Immediately, my mind starts giving me reasons why this can't be true. You just heard, because Debbie V. Grant flows in gifts for words of knowledge like that. You just heard Debbie V. Grant say that, and you're just parroting what you heard. That's not a real word of knowledge for this situation. And so I sat there, but I kept hearing this name, James, and it was just so strong. And so I turned to my husband and I said, you know, I'm looking forward to the day when I can go in Costco, find that man and tell him, James, Jesus wants to heal you today. And he says, he's so cool. 50 years and he's still the coolest man on earth. Um, He says, why are you looking forward to the day? Why don't you say today is the day? Woo, yeah. And so I said, all right, today is the day. So we started to park our car and go in Costco. I mean, my mind's saying, this man may have already been in Costco. He may have been filling his car up and on his way home. He may have not even gone to Costco. He may have just been getting gas. I don't know squat about where this man is or or what he's doing. But I'm going in Costco looking for this man. I look all of it so I can't find him anywhere. And uh, I don't know, maybe he went to the bathroom or something. I didn't really go in the men's room to look, so I couldn't say for sure that he wasn't in there. But I didn't find him. Anyway, I'm looking at some potato salad on a counter, and I look over like this. He's right there. Like, not even really, just about two feet from me. And I look and I'm like, sir, (laughs) we were in line behind you at the gas pumps and I noticed that you seemed like you were in pain. And I said, you have an issue with your back or something? And he takes the back of his t-shirt and he pulls it down and he shows me a 12-inch scar going down his spine 
where he's had a surgery on his back. And he said, I was a football player. And he said, I've had injuries all over my body. He said, my legs were numb. I would just fall down. He said, my arms numb. Uh, he said, my hands messed up. He said, that surgery has helped some of this. But he said, I'm still, I'm still having problems. And I, and throughout the conversation, he says, somebody said to me, Al. And I thought, Al? I thought, sure, God said your name was James. And uh, I thought, I must be Looney Tunes. That's the only explanation of this. I must be Looney Tunes. And I keep talking to him, and I keep hearing James. And I finally, I said, do you have a son? And he says, yes, I do. I said, what's his name? He said, James. I said, and then he says, and my actual name is James, too. I just go by Al. I'm like, whoa, baby, it's time to pray. I said, can we pray for you? And we prayed for him, and the power of God hit him, and the presence of God came in Costco. And my husband and James both had triple-decker goosebumps. I mean, it was strong. And so he gave him a little book that uh, we give out to people called God Has Big Plans for You. And it has our name and phone number on the back of it. And um, But we didn't get his phone number. And so in the days following, I'm like, oh, I wish we would have got his phone number. I'd like to follow up on him, see how he's doing, whatever. So fast forward to two days ago. Get this text message on the phone. This is... And it's James. I want to tell you, I had a dramatic miracle when you prayed for me. And God touched me. And he says, and also my hand, which had been burning like crazy ever since that surgery, is totally healed too. Jesus! Thank you, Jesus! Thank you, Jesus! Only the Lord can do those things. And He wants to do them through you. He wants to do them through you. And I'm going to present a challenge to you right now. If you want to be used by God, this last great awakening that's coming is not going to be just with the preachers and the big name people. It's going to come from people who are just yielded to God, who want to be used, who want to go into hospitals, who want to go into nursing homes, who want to go out in the street and see miracles happen and people saved. So I'm just going to ask you a question right now. If you're here today and you say, that's me, I want to be part of this end time great awakening and I want to be used by God, just lift your hand. Hallelujah. 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 Father, I just pray and I set myself in agreement with each one of these, Lord. I release your fire. I release your glory. I release your power. I say in the name of Jesus, they are anointed. They are appointed. They are assigned. They are called in Jesus' name. The anointing and the mantle is upon them. And God, as they have desired in their hearts, so shall it be, Lord. Use them. 
Use them to the praise of your glory. Use them to the praise of your glory. Use them, Lord, in Jesus' name. Put a mighty fire in them, God, like they've never known before. That to the praise of your glory, in the name of Jesus, they will do the works that Jesus did and even greater works as you said in your word. And for those of you watching online, I send this word to you as well. For those who are hurting, sick in any way, in this place today or online, I say healing now in Jesus' name. Be healed. I speak a new dimension of the glory and power of God over every person who's hungry for this today. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's praise him. Hallelujah. 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 Somebody named Darlene, God's touching you right now. And your son, you've been worried about your son, but God is healing your son, Darlene. You just worship God and praise God and watch, watch what God does. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Evelyn, that arthritis is going now in Jesus' name. Just begin to move. Just begin to move. Just begin to move and praise God that it's done in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, I have a special treat for you. We have two of our very dear friends here today who are anointed, both of them are anointed preachers, authors, singers, songwriters, musicians, you name it. And I've asked them to come and to minister a couple of songs today. And they're going to be singing about the very one that we have been talking about today. And I just want to invite you to get into this music and praise God. Ken and Deborah Smith. Amen. You know, we're singing about the way maker. He makes a way in the desert, you know, streams in the desert. I love that. And I just, I love to hear about the miracle working power of God is still happening today. It really is. And he, he is making a way. He's doing supernatural things and it's, it's never too late. I feel like sometimes, you know, like people our age, we're very close, what, two weeks or 10 days apart. Yes, I am older by 10 days. That's okay. (laughs) But, you know, he's not done with this. I think for me personally, I feel like I'm just getting started. Yeah. You know, because it it took me many years to get myself out of the way. Mm -hmm. You know, my own insecurities, inadequacies to say, well, you know, how can I do that? Who am I? Who cares about what I have to say sort of thing? It's like, really? Why did I waste so many years? And I tell my grandkids and anybody that will listen, don't wait. Just don't wait to do what God's called you to do now. 
you know, don't waste all those years because of your own insecurities. You know, it's not about us anyway. It's about him. And he's the one that's got to make it happen, not us. We're vessels, right? We're just a vessel. Amen. Thank you, Jesus.